0: Welcome to the 36th episode of our podcast series for advisors considering the independent space. Today's episode is a best of all worlds model full service independence with equity upside, a conversation with Jim Gold, CEO and founding partner of Steward Partners. I'm Mindy Diamond, and this is Mindy Diamond on Independence. This podcast is available on our website, diamond-consultants.com, and on wealthmanagement.com, as well as iTunes and other resources. Today, I'm joined by Jim Gold, CEO of Steward Partners, a full-service, independent, employee-owned partnership for advisors who like what independents stand for, but aren't interested in building something from scratch. This quasi-independent firm, as we call it, has had enormous success. With 104 advisors today in 17 offices and 10.9 billion under management, Steward's model is resonating with prospective breakaways all over the country because it offers the infrastructure of a wirehouse combined with the benefits of independence. Steward launched in September of 2013 at a time just before going independent was considered fully mainstream. While Jim acknowledges that it was hard to get the first advisors to buy into a story that was new and not fully baked, it was his tenacity, and certainly that of the entire leadership team, that ultimately paid off. Jim has extensive experience in the wealth management space. Prior to founding Stewart, he served as executive director for Morgan Stanley, running the Southern Connecticut Complex, and before that, he spent 17 years at Smith Barney. Surely, we've witnessed an ever-increasing diaspora toward independence amongst wirehouse advisors. But Jim Gold was an early migrator to the space from the senior leadership ranks at big brokerage firms. He has an interesting perspective on the industry, how it's changed, what he hears and sees from advisors, and why he built Stewart. So without wasting any time, let's jump right in. so very much for joining me today.
1: I'm happy to be here, Mindy. Very excited to spend some time with you.
0: Yeah. So let's jump in because lots to talk about. Tell us if you would a little bit about yourself and your background.
1: Sure. So I've been in the industry since 1995. I started back in the day at Smith Barney, was a financial advisor in the training program. Did that for about four years and in 1999 went into branch management. So I guess I'm celebrating my 20th year of management this year. And uh, I really enjoyed my career. I've worked with a lot of tremendous people. Uh, I'm fortunate. I'm blessed at work. and blessed at home. I have a terrific wife, Elizabeth. We're married almost 30 years and four great children. And just to keep my life exciting at home, we have four dogs
0: as well. Wow. Okay. So tell us a little bit about the birth of Stuart. I'm going to ask you what it is, but where did it come from?
1: I think Stewart, it really was a reaction. I always say every action causes a reaction. I think it was a reaction to the cultural shift inside of the traditional, what people refer to as the wirehouse firms. I think over time, the quality of life in the branch system had eroded dramatically. I think the issue of complexing really removed the management from the advisors. And I think the quality of life in that model has changed dramatically. And I don't think there's really anyone that would argue that. As a matter of fact, when I I sit with a recruit and we talk and the very common comment I get is, you know, my best days are behind me. And I think really that was sort of the uh, genesis of the interest in starting a, a firm, a new firm and looking into something that was different. So Stewart Partners, it's an employee owned partnership and, and we wanted to really replicate the old Wall Street model of a partnership. I'm one of the founders. There, there were multiple founders of the firm and we decided we, we did a very long due diligence process and we ultimately chose to work with Raymond James. We are part of Raymond James independent channel. And, you know, the firm is really, I think it's a best of both worlds situation because it's an employee owned firm. We have tremendous resources and the ability to really serve, I think, any type of clientele. But at the end of the day, everyone here is a partner. Everyone here is an owner. So whether you're a management person or an advisor or an administrative member or the receptionist, everyone here is an owner of the company. So it's a little bit of a throwback to what the the industry used to be and changes the dynamic in the local offices dramatically when you know that everyone in the office is, is your partner.
0: So, the compensation model for an advisor joining Stewart is he or she 1099, W 2? What sort of support would he or she get?
1: Uh, the compensation structure, and again, I think one of our focuses in building the firm was to look for simplicity. And if you think about the compensation plan that most people have today, it's very difficult to understand how you actually get paid. So, what we do, which is very unique, is that Stewart is responsible for all the infrastructure costs. The advisors at Steward receive a straight 50% payout. There's no discounting. There's no penalty grids. There's no minimum tickets and things like that. And I think the deliverable of Steward is we're putting all the infrastructure in place, which really allows our advisors to focus on what they want to do, which is really taking care of their clients and serving their team.
0: Right, and who is the target advisor? So tell us a little bit about the community of advisors you've built to date, and who who is ideal uh, to associate with Stewart.
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Mindy. I think if you if you think about the industry today and you look at the trend towards independence, I always say if you're thinking about independence, there's, there's obviously multiple multiple options. The folks that are attracted to our model are the people that say, "Look, I, I want to run my book. I don't want to run a company." I don't want to deal with landlords and auditing and payroll and things like that. It's not something I've ever done or have the interest in learning or spending time to do. You know, all the best advisors don't feel like they have any extra time in their week. So the idea of spending eight or 10 hours a week running a company can be very daunting. And for many folks, that's a great option. But I think our ideal advisor is someone that says, I want to have the benefits of being independent with the infrastructure that I'm used to from my my firm I'm leaving uh, without the impediments of both and with the benefits of both. And I think that's where we, we really have created that sort of best of both worlds environment for them. And you know, for what we're looking for, um, I always I say we're, we're looking for great people first who happen to run a great business second, because when you work in a partnership culture, you need to have people who want to be collaborative, who want to work
0: together. So, thank you for that, Jim. I know you've built an extraordinary model and you've had great success. We'll come back in a bit to the economics around the Steward Value proposition. But I do want to ask you something. You were one of the first in a growing trend of wirehouse managers and senior leaders to break away and join the independent movement. And what I mean by that is, look, for the last decade, we've been watching more and more top advisors move toward independence, but for a long time, the managers really drank the Kool-Aid of the brokerage world and were the ones saying, left to defend the brokerage model. And we're the ones saying, you know, independence are for those that are, that aren't cutting it here or it's more the exception than the rule until it's become more mainstream. So what was it about independence that motivated you to take the leap of faith with four kids at home and leave behind the comfort of a traditional brokerage firm?
1: We saw the change in the industry, and I think there was a window of opportunity. And, you know, there were many folks that were trying to dissuade me from from taking the leap. And I think what really resonated with me is this was an opportunity to try to do something really unique and special. And I felt that, if we were unsuccessful in what we were trying to accomplish with Steward, for me personally, I felt like, look, if I try this and it fails, I could always go back to that other model that I came from. I'm not any less qualified to be a complex manager if I've had an unsuccessful stint as, as an independent firm. But I think for me, you know, my father was an entrepreneur. Uh, it's in my family's history. It's in my own blood. So I think for me it was that chance to say, you know what, this is a window of, of opportunity in life and I think you have to take advantage of it. And I'd rather not look back with regret and say, I should have tried that and it was successful.
0: Yeah. So do you think that had the world not begun to change at Morgan Stanley, which is where you were directly before you launched, Stuart, do you think that you would have still sought an entrepreneurial lifestyle.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it was Morgan Stanley, Mindy. I think when you look at the the sort of four traditional wirehouse firms, I, I think they're they're very they're much more similar than they are dissimilar at this point. And I think because one of all of our choices was okay, if you don't like your wirehouse, maybe you go to another wirehouse. And I think when I say to recruits is the process that they go through to ultimately decide their next home and where they want to continue their career is a process that I, I've done myself. And I looked at the other traditional models, looked at other wirehouses, but really just kept coming back to that idea that there wasn't really any difference. And, and my life as a complex manager would have been remarkably similar. So I, I think the change was industry wide. And I think the flight to independence, you know, this, the other firms were out there, certainly before Stewart, but I think the flight to independence was a trend that we saw and we took the uh, leap of faith as you said to uh, pursue it and, and think that it was going to continue and fortunately for everyone it has.
0: Yeah. So and I agree with you 100% that you happened to be sitting at Morgan Stanley before you launched Stewart but the changes the the impetus to leave probably had much less to do with anything wrong at Morgan Stanley and much more to do with the changing brokerage model overall. Can you talk a little bit about that? What were some of the specific changes that began to frustrate, concern you and the advisors that worked for you?
1: I think it was a number of things. And I I think back to when I started in the business, which is, you know, it's not that long ago. It was the mid-90s, which I guess to some people is a long time ago. When I started in the business, it was still a time where a branch had a, a local manager, and I always say, if you timed it right, your manager might hire you as a trainee and host your retirement party. And what you saw as the industry changed and consolidation and all the other things going on is you see this carousel of branch management and the carousel of regional management. So you sort of lift out the, the roots of the foundation of relationships at the branch level. I think the banks coming in and taking over the major brokerage firms you find yourself where you're a, the, the wealth management used to be the whole company, and now you're a single digit percentage of a bigger conglomerate's revenue. And that means that you're much less meaningful to the firm. So it, it just felt that the industry changed, the, the local market environment changed. I think branch management as a whole, it has far less local autonomy than they used to have to impact and make decisions and help the advisors. And I think you create, a again, a very sort of dissatisfied environment. And it's interesting because we talk to prospective advisors and we'll ask them, what's your local manager like? And and the answer we get most commonly is, my manager's great. I never talk to them. And I say, well, why is that great? Your manager never talks to you. Well, because if they talk to me, it's only bad news. And that's just sort of, I think, symptomatic of what the environment is.
0: Yeah, I we hear that a lot. So you mentioned, you know, look, you, you certainly were well aware of what the other wirehouses were doing. So before you launched Stewart, what other models of independence have you looked at? And what do you think was missing in those that led you to say, we need to build it for ourselves?
1: I don't know if other models were missing. I mean, we probably talked to, I would say, over 30 different firms as potential you know, partners, if you will, in this venture. I think for us, it was really looking to draw upon the experiences we had working in wealth management for a long period of time. I think when you look at some of the other firms that are out there, and we have many terrific competitors, we're one of the few firms, which again, it kind of goes back to the old school way of the leadership team of this firm. A lot of us were producers. All of us have spent our whole careers in wealth management. So it was something that we knew inherently how to do. And I think that was really the appeal of saying, look, if you want to run something great, the easiest way to do that and the most difficult way to do that is to build your own firm. And I think doing that gave us the autonomy to say, we understand how to run a place. We want to build something really special. It's a huge undertaking. So I say easy. it's, It's not easy to do. But the ease of having the control of running your own place, I, I think we found this sort of perfect sweet spot where we are.
0: Okay, so I know you've had a lot of success. Can you talk to us about that success, about what's contributed to the growth you've had and what that growth looks like?
1: Yeah, I think, listen, we, we've had a, a lot of success. I think what's important is that we feel like we are in the very, very early stages of our growth. I think, you know, people say, if it's a baseball game, where are you? And I'd say we're in the top of the first inning. I think the model is very unique. And I want to tell you, as I said before, is most other forms of independence involve an advisor going out and setting up their own office. And I think when they look at our model and say, I can come into a steward branch, it's filled with great people, there's a local leader, there's on-site support, We we talk about a concierge level of service. I think it becomes a very attractive option, but it's something that what people don't recognize is we have a really strong sales force, which are the 104 advisors that work here. And it, it is very common. It's almost a weekly occurrence now that someone who's already here said, calls up one of the management team and says, hey, you've got to reach out to my friend. I've told them how happy I am here. They've said, okay, I can't take it where I am. I'd love to learn more about this model. So that's an accelerant to our growth. I think the story and building the firm from really nothing, you know, five and a half years ago to where we are today makes it a lot easier decision for someone considering us today versus the back in the beginning.
0: That's amazing growth for Stuart, but I think the the piece that everyone would also agree what helps it also is that the wirehouses and big brokerage firms are doing a whole lot to continually frustrate advisors, putting more limitations in, in place and giving them less control. And so it's a combination of pushes and pulls, I think, that, that drive people toward independence. And then, of course, you've built a great model. So speak of great model, recently you had an exciting announcement regarding taking an outside capital for the first time. Why now and what can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, we're very excited about that, Mindy. I think as we started the firm, and I think one of the major differences of Stewart is we've never taken in outside capital. We wanted to have control over the company and and control over the economics. We have had numerous opportunities over the last few years to take in capital, and we've always been hesitant to do that. I think we felt it was the right time for a couple of reasons. One, I think the primary reason is we want to accelerate our growth. We want to expand rapidly we needed to have you know the financial bandwidth to do that. But the most important thing to us is when well, you've built something from scratch and you take a lot of pride in it, the last thing you want to see is someone else come in and change that. So uh, what I would say is it's a minority stake. It is a family office type structure, really terrific people. They're going to bring a ton of resources to bear. And that was a big part for us too. It wasn't just getting a check. It was getting the right resources, the right people People that we look at and think of them as sort of patient capital, uh, not looking to come out of here in five years and, and, and run out the door. But I think the biggest thing for us was this is that we made a lot of promises to people that came here. We're really excited and feel proud to have, you know, fulfilled that commitment and to see our partners really get a liquidity event within the first five years of the firm, which I think is, uh, is pretty rare in our industry for firms like Stewart.
0: Yeah, very exciting. Well, congratulations on that. So you talk about equity and equity for your partners. So let me jump to the economics of Stewart itself. Talk to us a little bit about from the transition package, the cash comp and the retirement program, as well as the equity you talk about. So you're saying the advisors are all partners. They have equity. Talk to us about the package
1: yeah absolutely. I think the package here is very unique. so the package we offer and it we target on average about a million dollars in production. The average producer at Stewart does about a million one. 000, 000. The package we talk about is a couple of things. one is a cash component, which is a up to a hundred percent cash transition. that's a seven year forgivable note on top of that we match that with a hundred percent equity grant in the company based upon your hiring twelve so essentially it's a two hundred percent deal to come over. And then when they're here, we always talk about, as we said, it's a 50% payout. Steward pays for the infrastructure costs. And starting in their third year, advisors are eligible and and their teams are eligible to participate in our profit sharing program. Uh, Importantly, this is why, again, we never took an outside capital. So the owners of the firm are all people that are here. So at the end of a calendar year and a fiscal year, the profits of the company, those profits belong to the shareholders, which are the the same people that are our partners. So there's a profit sharing program, which will kick in in their third year. And I think we talk about that'll add, you know, six or 7% to a person's payout uh, at the end of the day. So the economics are very unique. I think the equity is a really critical component of this. And and one of the things I, I share with an advisor when the question comes up is sometimes they'll say, You know, independence sounds great. And with all due respect, Jim, why don't I do this on my own? And I say, listen, you can absolutely do that on your own, but let me help you understand one thing. You going independent from a wirehouse is like taking a thousand shares of Amazon and putting it in a trust account. It's a terrific asset. You just change the titling of the asset. In coming to Steward, you're now going to own your book outright because we mirror Raymond James' policy, which is our advisors own their business and the right to sell it and leave at any time. But on top of that now, you're owning part of the company that you've chosen to affiliate with. So you've created a completely separate asset from your book in the equity in the, in the firm. And then to the succession question, Mindy, what we do in a succession model, and I'll just give you the sort of summary, is that we look for a re- retiring advisor. When they go to retire, we put them into what we call of counsel status. So they have the opportunity to stay on our payroll. They're paid out a revenue sharing for about five years. And between the revenue sharing and their continuation of profit sharing, we're looking for them to get at least 2x their retiring revenue. So a million dollar producer should get $2 million over that five years for their business. And then at the end of that period, we now consider them, they're no longer an active partner, right? Because they've come here, they've worked, they've now been paid out for five years. At that time, our agreement is we buy back their equity at the fair market value at that time so they they really end up getting two liquidity events when they're ready to retire from steward which is you know a significant significant enhancement to what's out there
0: yeah interesting let me focus on the equity for a minute the financial crisis did a lot to ensure that advisors were unwilling to take stock as part of any transition package. So if you look at a Smith Barney advisor whose stock or deferred comp became worth nothing after the financial crisis, advisor said, no way is equity as a currency appealing to me. This new world of independence has really changed that. And most firms in the independent or this newer space will offer equity as part of the currency. and. We can all understand how when a firm grows and it works well, that equity can be a home run. As you put it, Having being offered equity in the firm you believe in, in a firm you've chosen to join, is a home run. And what an awesome thing that is for your advisors that may have joined in the last five years to actually be able to monetize that equity so soon, I agree, is unusual and wonderful. But there have been situations where there are firms where the promise of equity hasn't worked out. And so how do you overcome or how do you address an advisor's concern about the value of equity, which a lot of people think is nothing more than a lottery ticket?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I I think when you think about the wirehouses and, as you said, the change in the interest level or or comfort level in owning equity is, historically, the challenges of the traditional wealth management firms really never had anything to do with wealth management. They were usually something else going on, a corporate event. It was, it was never the issue with wealth management. Wealth management as a whole, especially today, is a very clean, repeatable business. So I think when you look at Steward, we have an RIA, which is part of our relationship with Raymond James. It's sort of seamless to the advisors on the desktop. But the RIA of Steward is about 68 to 70% of our revenue. On top of that, we do about 12% trails. So you look at the company, it trades more like an asset management firm. So it's very clean, repeatable business. We have, again, terrific advisors. I think the interesting part of the equity is this. When we first started the firm, we talked to people about up to 100% cash, up to 100% equity. The most common response I would get is, the 200% sounds fine. I don't want any equity. Just give me cash, which we never did. I think a great compliment to Steward is, that question now is completely turned around. So the question I get today is, I'll take a lot less cash or no cash to get more equity. So I think, listen, the, the best way to prove something is to prove it. And I think that's where the capital raise shows the real value of the equity of Stewart. But I would tell you that we're very focused. We have an amazing board of directors. It's really, I would say, X myself. Uh, it's a Fortune 500 quality board. And we really focus on continuing to do what we're doing and bring in one great team, one great person at a time. And we always say job number one a steward is protect the firm. Yes, you know, protect the firm first, grow the firm second. So I think the equity we're excited about with the recent transaction is the equity has real value. I think the value is in its infancy. And I think people are excited to know that they can have that opportunity to win alongside with the firm.
0: I think you're absolutely right that while the promise of equity can feel like a lottery ticket and the natural inclination is, let me just have cash because it's safer the deal you're doing now that takes in outside capital actually gives you a valuation of the firm and certainly goes a long way in giving advisors who are getting equity some comfort that it's going to be worth something and how it will continue to grow. So congratulations on that. Let me go back to sort of the early days. How much more challenging was it to attract advisors to steward early on than it is now?
1: It's kind of immeasurably difficult at that time. I really think back to the first folks coming here. And again, you can imagine a recruiting meeting where we're sitting with someone and you talk about, at that time, the theory of steward partners. And the first question we get would say, oh, this sounds great. So where's your offices? Oh, we don't have any offices. Oh, well, how many advisors do you have? Oh, we don't have any advisors. And so when you think about truly the leap of faith that people made at that time, I would say it was kind of like how America was built. I mean, people were getting on the Mayflower and hoping that they found land when the ship landed. So we truly appreciate that the leap of faith that the original founder and founding advisors made with us. I think at the time, and I think the big shift, Mindy, is I think back in 2013, 2014, I think there was more people sort of running from their firm. And I think, you know, focus on where they're going, but more of I need to get out of here. I would tell you today, it's more people are running towards independence and and, and the various iterations of independence. So uh, today it's, it's far easier. We have a lot more flow. We have a lot more validation. But again, I think the key is when you're in a local market and there's a branch there and people can look and see who you've attracted, who you've hired, who you haven't hired. And say, wow, look at that office. That's the kind of office I want to work in. That makes the recruiting conversation easier.
0: I agree with you 100%. So certainly the firm's success and having 104 advisors later certainly helps a lot. But the mindset of advisors in general have changed a lot and independence has become much more mainstream. So it's not sort of the, the unicorn that it once was, but it's really almost always on the mind of everyone. And it's just a matter of which version of independence they're most likely to be attracted to. So what are some of the things that advisors associated with Stewart can do that they couldn't have done under a wirehouse umbrella?
1: I think about a few things and part of this is having an RIA. And I think part of it is, you know, Raymond James takes a very advisor friendly approach to the regulations and they are one of the most compliant firms out there. But things like from a marketing perspective, you know, our advisors can do podcasts. Our advisors can have radio shows. We have one advisor who's on his fourth book about financial services. The president of Raymond James wrote the introduction to his second book. You know, those are things you can't do at a wire house. The ability to have much more autonomy in revenue sharing. It's controlling the percentage that you share and the ability to say, hey, if I have the best estate attorney in town and they want to share revenue with me, why should I be precluded from doing that? The ability to charge on assets held away, right? And get paid a fee to consult on those assets held away. So I think there's a number of really unique opportunities here. And when people come over and they go through a transition process, that's sort of a check-in we do right around a hundred days is to say, Hey, you have heard of all these great opportunities to grow coming here. How can we help your team start? And that's always a decision point for them is there's so many other opportunities here. They kind of have to figure out where they want to start. So I think it's definitely an attract to be in an environment that sort of trust would verify, not guilty until proven innocent.
0: Right. Are there any, needs of a, uh, say, high net worth or ultra high net worth clients that an advisor under the steward umbrella couldn't service?
1: Absolutely not. That was really one of the, the core pieces of affiliating with Raymond James on the independent channel is that we wanted to have, you know, the full service platform, the ability to service, you know, any advisor or any team or any high net worth client. And I think you, know, you talked about it earlier, Mindy, it's a great point. Is I think historically. People think of independence as much smaller producers, much less sophisticated business. And I think it was about four years ago now that starting about four years ago for the first time, there are more advisors that control half a billion in assets that work outside of the traditional wirehouses than work inside. So I think not only is it the flight to independence, and I know at Diamond, you're on the front lines of this, it's the quality and the size of the teams that are going independent is significantly increasing, especially over the last few years. So I think the platforms across the street have caught up with each other. I think there's been a convergence of technology that's helped support that, but I feel really good. And we have significant, significant producers here and never had an issue as far as uh, the ability to serve all dry network market.
0: And what do you think the future holds for the independent space? Do you expect the breakaway momentum to continue?
1: Absolutely. I think we're in the middle of a period of time that it's happening so quickly. I don't think everyone kind of grasped the gravity gravity of this. And I think we're going to look back in maybe 10 years and say, wow, we just lived through the biggest change of of wealth management financial services in our lifetime. Because if you think about it, you know, there were probably 15 or 20 firms that sort of had a vault lock on wealth management. And now, as I said, between the ability to service your clients, the convergence of technologies and platforms, you've really had that vault that sort of cracked open. And people have seen the opportunity to go out and build their own firm, whether that's one advisor on their own or a team on their own or joining a firm like Stewart. So I think this change is real. You know, all the Cerule data supports it. Certainly the wirehouse model will always be a significant player in wealth management, and they have super talented people that work there but i think over time you're going to see the independent space have a larger market share in aggregate than the traditional wealth management.
0: Yeah, i think i don't disagree with you. And do you think that more managers, more wirehouse managers or big brokerage firm managers will follow as well?
1: You know, it's a funny question. I always say it would be interesting to see if every manager at a wirehouse if they could all leave this Friday with a viable option, i wonder how many would be in their chair on Monday. <laughs>
0: I don't disagree with you. I think you're right. But to that point, it's not just about a viable option. What defines a viable option has a lot to do with the economics. So unlike the an advisor, who may find a model of independence or otherwise that's appealing to them, who has the revenue from his or her book to rely upon, a manager who is paid salary and bonus oftentimes finds it with four little kids at home like you would find it very difficult to leave the promise and security of a regular paycheck to go independence without a book to rely upon.
1: Oh, absolutely. And listen, we benefit from that trend as well because we have, Brought over a number of really super talented folks who grew up in the wirehouses to help run branches for us, operations people, compliance people. So I think the more firms like Stewart that are out there, the more folks that are maybe you know looking for a new opportunity that they now have a viable option that doesn't have the same level of risk as, as going out and doing it on their own. And again, we've been really fortunate to attract some terrific, terrific management uh, partners as well. And I think that's really again one of the critical keys to our success is the people that are the boots on the ground and the branches of steward.
0: Yeah. So look, we could go on forever and I'm grateful for all of your insights, truly. But any final words of wisdom you'd share with prospective breakaways? And so what I mean by that is an advisor or manager who works at a traditional brokerage firm who's thinking of planting the flag of independence.
1: The best advice I could give anyone is to do your due diligence. You have to sort of shadow your preconceived notions because the world has changed dramatically in the last five or 10 years. So I think it's understand your choices, go in with an open mind, and I think really consider the pluses and minuses of all your choices. Like I said, in some cases, going out as an advisor and starting your own office in your own town and, and working with your team, that's great. For many people, that's a terrific option. But I think if you're going to make that leap, understand the responsibilities and, and the time commitment that goes along with that. So I think it's um, take the time, do the due diligence. I mean, we spent six months in due diligence before we launched Stewart. And I think that, to me, looking back, is one of the reasons for our success, is that by the time we launched, we knew exactly what we we're in for, and we had the right partner to help make sure this thing was a success.
0: Jim, thank you so much and absolutely congratulations on all your success and all of the future success we know you're going to have and look forward to continuing the dialogue.
1: It's truly been my pleasure and I appreciate the opportunity and the conversation today and uh, look forward to working with you and your terrific team in the future.
0: As independence has become more mainstream, We've watched the birth of many new models. Stewart is ideal for a million-dollar-plus advisor who wants many of the benefits of independence without having to build something from scratch. And for advisors who question the value of equity in the firm, or any firm for that matter, Stewart's decision to take on a minority investor demonstrates the value of the firm and creates an exciting opportunity for the future. In our next episode, Chris Dupuis, the Managing Director and Chief Operating Officer for Rockefeller Wealth Management, will be joining us. He joined the superstar thought leader, Greg Fleming, and his rock star leadership team about six months ago. Chris's name is one that many in the industry are already familiar with. He rose through the ranks to a senior leadership role at Merrill, spending nearly three decades with the Wirehouse. Not only does Chris bring tons of experience and a unique perspective of both the captive and independent worlds, but he has much to share about the firm that every top advisor has on their minds these days, Rockefeller. Until then, I encourage you to visit our website, diamond-consultants.com, and click on the tools and resources link for valuable content. And if you're not a recipient of our weekly email, Perspectives for Advisors, click on the blog link to browse recent articles. Feel free to email or call me if you have specific questions. I can be reached at 908-879-1002 or at mdiamond at diamond-consultants.com. Please note that all requests are handled with complete discretion and confidentiality. Thank you for listening. I also want to thank wealthmanagement.com for sharing this podcast with their viewers and subscribers. This is Mindy Diamond on Independence.